But as you run your own business, you have to put your money where your mouth is and you have to hold yourself accountable for the investments that you make. And, you know, if we stick to the old, then we'll ultimately be run over. I think you're better off trying to embrace change in an appropriate way. And the IT team, of course, should be the people that actually deliver the technology in close collaboration with the business teams. Welcome to the GBS Masterminds podcast, season three. CIOs are from Mars, GBS leaders are from Venus. My name is Sashi Narhari, founder and CEO of Hyradius, and I'll be your host. All right, so switching gears, let's assume that we all come together and we want to do a transformation. Ingo, question for you. Would you do an all-in, single phase, big bang, get it done, or would you take a phased approach? I think people generally would prefer a phased approach or even worse, pilots, right? Pilots are the thing that everybody reverts to. It's small, it's easy. Nothing really happens to the business if we get it wrong and so forth. I think in the pharmaceutical world, we quite often call that pilotitis where you have that disease of having too many pilots that never really achieve anything, that never get you anywhere. And from that perspective, I do think it's situational at the end of the day, and you need to do both. You need to do trial and error, and you need to take small steps in incrementally improving something. So in the business world, uh, what is a minimum viable product becomes, if you are in an existing business, a really difficult discussion and if that MVP points to it's a big bang, then you may have to take the big bang and really put it in front of everybody. You can find ways of slicing and dicing the problem into smaller things and agile approaches and incremental and testing along the way is always good. But sometimes you have to commit to a big bang and really go for it and make a big difference and then put all the resources of the company behind it. And it wouldn't work otherwise. You just have to be careful where you do that. But the worst thing, I think, is what Robert was alluding to as well, is the sort of non-committing to the change and just dabbling with it and just yeah. making very, very tiny things that achieve no real business results. If you're a billion-dollar industry and you make something that makes 500,000 as a difference, who's going to listen? If I can maybe just, just build on what Inga just said, um, Big Bang or, or sort of incremental, within GBS, and I've got a, a really strong principle belief on this, which is when you make a business change, whether it's the technology investment or reorganization or another change that impacts people's jobs, then you have to be very quick and very early forthcoming uh, in providing clarity on that change, which for me would always go in the direction of a big bang change. And let me just give the clarity to the people that are impacted uh, so they can get on with planning the rest of their lives. Because if you if you try to hide it away and diminish the impact that ultimately you'll have, you lose your credibility as a business leader. Uh, so, so with with these technology changes, with these sort of reorganization changes, I would always go for sort of a big bang approach. Whereas if it's technology that keeps improving, keeps driving three four percent productivity every year, that lends itself in my mind more for a typical agile approach of continuous improvement. That's a really good one. I think in essence, what you're saying is beyond thinking about single phase, multi-phase, the human psychology and the people that are impacted, if the impact is high, then do it fast. That's right. It will hurt you most, more in the long run. I've learned over the years, Sashi, that if you, if you drag out and if you hide the impact on people, it just ends badly. It ends badly. Don't do it. Be honest. All right. So next question is around, should GBS have more control on their destiny in terms of selecting and enabling technology? 
maybe have their own IT team. There's a debate, Ingo, that we hear a lot. I'm curious what you and Robert think. I know that's a bit of a controversial question. I want to get your thoughts. I think you get the theme from my viewpoint around this, that I think partnership is the key aspect to all of these because you have people with different experiences and different skills involved in these discussions. And I find the model where process ownership is in the GBS organization and technology ownership is in the IT organization, something that will most likely reflect the nature of the people that bring expertise to the table in a better way than trying to say, I need to take control of something because I don't trust the other guy to do their job, right? And then it's less a discussion of who owns IT and who has destiny control over. So it's a, how do we drive the business? What is important? What can I contribute to that? What do you need to contribute? Where's your expertise? Where's my expertise? And sometimes that may mean that you design organizations based on the skills and the leaders and the personalities that fulfill the role rather than a sort of theoretical role model. I'm largely with you there, Inga. I think the, the times when a business team can look at IT and say, look, haven't you fixed my problem yet? And when are you going to give me the best technology that I need to do my job? The best digital technologies are developed in, in what's called these product teams, uh, where you have a beautiful mix of IT people, technology people, with process experts, business people, and they jointly own a certain business capability, which is supported by a technology. Uh, so the future has to be one of intense, in-depth collaboration, where it almost doesn't matter anymore which department uh, you come from. Got it. So maybe let me take a scenario here. Maybe it happens often in the real world. Let's say a GBS leader or any business team in Go wants to do a tech transformation, and they have some business case and outcomes to accomplish. But I also know that the CIO's world is a thankless world. We have like hundreds of projects, always on fire. And then now you're like, okay, we have a lot going on and you're barely able to keep your head over water. What would you recommend the GBS leaders or the business teams to do to effectively handle a situation like this with you? Maybe you can take an example that you have seen. Again, prioritization, collaboration is the key to sorting these things out. Um, but I think we have examples over the last years where you know, people invested in RPA technology quite a bit and it was seen as a good tool for GBS organizations to automate somewhat thankless manual tasks and let a robot do that. And there is a place for that technology, absolutely. But in many organizations, you saw people taking this overboard and then later on they came to IT and you know the systems didn't run. And maybe the issue was that the IT team wasn't able to implement a new process or a new ERP solution because there wasn't a business case for doing that and so forth. And you, you're not solving the underlying problem. You're just trying to find a band-aid that fixes your part of the problem instead of collaborating to try to say, how do I fundamentally change this? And that's, I think, where a lot of the real-world test of collaboration can be easily seen if the first discussion that you're having with somebody when they talk about a technology transformation is, here's what I want to achieve for the business, and not, here's product A from vendor B that I want to buy. Right? That gives you an insight into how people think and how they will likely approach this problem. That's a very good example, actually. So maybe there's a question for Robert. I've also heard that a lot of GBS leaders ended up creating a center of excellence for RPA. Hired, the practice just grew, and next thing you know, you're building a bunch of bots. Do you think by involving the CIOs and their architects who are more tech-savvy, there would have been a better filtering process? What are your thoughts? First, I think RPA is, is a bit yesterday's news, to be honest. I mean, if you look at what today is possible with GPT-3 in terms of language process 
saying writing books. <laughs> I mean, RPA is so much old technology now. Uh, I mean, AI, ML is the future in that sense. Huh? And therefore also for the next level of transformation within GPS, it will be driven by AI and ML. That, that will be the, the real drivers, not RPA anymore. Now, AI and ML is really, really hard to make that a successful implementation into the enterprise, which absolutely needs uh, the IT team to be in the center of that in terms of saying what is the right underpinning technology we're going to uh, to go for here? And what is the platform we're going to go for? For AI ML to work, you also need to become pretty good at data management, which I'm sure most of the listeners will agree with me, is not a trivial item to pursue in a, in a large corporation because data has just been typically managed not great across most enterprises. Uh, but again, it is that collaboration. It is the deep understanding of the business process and the business results you want to achieve with the technology that can, that can support it. The future will be less black and white, though. It'll be so much in that product team setup that, as I said before, it doesn't matter that much anymore who, who is from which team. It is one joint unit that is trying to, uh, uh, to progress this, uh, this forward. And the lines will be blurry, especially when I look at the younger folk joining the workforce these days, most of them are pretty, pretty savvy when it comes to using technology. And we have to give these people a place where they can be productive as well. Since you brought up AI ML, maybe I'm going to bring up a hot topic that's been in discussions literally this week or last week, which is OpenAI and ChatGPT. Would love to get your thoughts, fresh of the press. So here's the news, right? It took five days to get to 1 million users. I think Facebook or Netflix took three and a half years. So it is one of the fastest growing usage. I'm curious, uh, Robert, what do you think of? I think it's phenomenal. And, and I'm, I'm probably not supposed to say this, but um, my son is studying at university and he used a chat GPT this week to write a uh, university paper. <laughs> so it's, it's, it is. It is that. It is that obvious, right? It's that obvious. And um, there's there's many companies I know that are using the technology also already to uh, for for really impacting and accelerating their their business process. I mean, this is revolutionary stuff. Exactly, Ingo. Your thoughts? I think on one side, technology adoption is accelerating, right? So comparing the past with the future adoption, I think it has a little bit of a different starting point why things get adopted much faster nowadays, right? The proliferation of all very highly sophisticated technology that's already out there. And that will mean that technology will be at a faster pace, be introduced into our workplace in an ever faster way. And it's very, very difficult to stay up to date on all the different opportunities that it brings. And that's why I think this discussion about different skill sets, people with two or three different skill sets that are less IT versus business or so forth is so important because you can't just keep up anymore with all the new stuff that's happening. And then imagine all the possible use cases, right? You need to bring people together to brainstorm about that. What does it mean? Where could we use that? And then let's test it out. Let's find a way of testing it in our environment. Let's work on this together. Much like what Rob was saying, the use cases are exploding. The capabilities are beyond what people can imagine. And that I think, again, drives who in your company can have that sort of technology-enabled, forward-looking, innovative mindset that brings challenges and opportunities to the table. 
when do you spend time exploring that universe as a leadership team? When do you look outside of your own box to think, how could I do this fundamentally differently? If I just add to this, just what makes this really, it's a great opportunity for companies, but what makes it really tricky for companies is that you also have to be ethical in how you use AI and ML. If you're in the pharmaceutical or the life science industry, you're dealing with patients' lives. It's real serious stuff. And you have to therefore be extremely considerate how you let AI ML into your business process in a way that you do not unduly discriminate certain patient groups, for example, without knowing it, because that's the AI that does it for you. Absolutely, absolutely. Robert and Ingo, this is an amazing business versus IT debate. I know how busy you are. Thank you so much for taking time and being part of the GBS Masterminds podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you. That was the GBS Masterminds podcast. For more information, visit gbsmasterminds.com and make sure to search for GBS Masterminds in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And on behalf of the team here at High Radius, thanks for listening.